gentlemen, boys, girls, goofballs, scumbags, Qataris, Argentinians, <laughs> shit, and everyone else in between. God, it's been a long time since I've said that, and boy, it feels good to say it again. In case y'all forgot, due to the unbelievable action that we had over the course of the last month known as the world cup 2022 y'all should know what time it is but let me remind y'all in case as i said you forgot this is the football misfits home of the footballing misfits i am of course your host with the most lv aka paper fronto aka my rainy's black bottom aka buck nasty aka the world cup misfit the sad Spurs fan? We'll figure that out in due time. <laughs> this is episode, God knows what, episode. That's a very good question. Uh, one, uh, do we pick up where we left off or do we include all those live and directs? I think we pick up where we left off. That means this is one, two, three. Hooey! Episode 123. And I got to say, it feels good to be back, back on this mic, back away from Instagram Live, uh, back done with the World Cup. Uh, But before all of that shenanigans and all that good stuff in the world of footy, I've got to introduce the other host with the most, maybe the mostest. The man has misfit in his name, y'all, and not just the World Cup misfit. He is Mr. Misfit. Does it all, says it all. You've seen his work. You've heard his work unbelievable work it is uh outside of mr misfit he goes by ronnie ronnie say what's good for the one time just hear those sleigh bells wrangling a bing bing a ding a ding what's going on everybody uh it's been forever since we've done the fitting misfits in this format the format that we know best uh stay Mm. strong be brave merry christmas if you celebrate on all that and that is a fact ronnie uh it's been a minute but we are back it is uh the season tis the season indeed uh to call you mr mr rum coquito how could i forget because it is the season if i'm not mistaken no it is it sucks that this is only going to be one of two episodes where we go by rum coquito but it is what it is if there was any reason why we would sacrifice that amount of episodes uh over the course of the last month and a half uh none greater than the world cup that just concluded out in qatar and of course uh most of y'all who are listening uh would assume have been keeping up with us and the good fellas at the football misfits and everyone else that has been holding us down over the course of the last month and so um on instagram the instagram lives uh, the beautiful content that ronnie has been putting out um and just all of the world cup stuff um over the last month so but that being said we're all back. Uh, and of course, a big shout out to everybody that did hold us down. Y'all know who you are. Many a name, too many to name. Um, and we don't want to leave anybody out, of course. But uh, Ronnie, I'm sure you have a few things that you want to big up and say uh, to our brilliant uh, co-hosts for the past month when it wasn't you and I on this uh, on this microphone here for a weekly Sunday podcast, it was you and maybe someone else, or it was me and maybe someone else, or maybe you and me, or Spencer and somebody else. Um, But I'm sure you have a few words that you wanna say to big up the good folks that held us down and became honorary misfits on their own. More than just honorary, they are are the good brothers. We can label them with that illustrious tag, if you will. Uh, But shouts to every single person who held down the live and directs with us. Uh, I'll keep it a buck. I preferred the ones where I did not do it on my own because the the shit was more entertaining. It was never going to be easy, but we got the job done. Personally, there was a period where I was just down bad in terms of health. Uh, I appreciate y'all, especially you, for picking up that slack while I was where I was thinking that the next call would take me out. Glad that we got through these live and directs. Hey, you survived. And Ronnie, of course, when your voice wasn't vocal uh, on the gram, which it mostly was, uh, on our Instagram lives, uh, you were there with us in spirit on the feed, ever doing work behind the scenes. 
and making things happen as you always do. And uh, this is the time of the year to give you your flowers. So a round of applause for Ronnie, or as we used to do it, let's not forget how we act around here, air horns. Who do I think I am? This is the air horns. Come on. <laughs> Everyone deserves their flowers for collaborating with us during the uh, World Cup. And right off the bat, if people don't like it, tough luck for them. But we are going to run it back in July for the Women's World Cup. And that's on God. Uh, we, we are definitely here to stay. And if one thing I learned from this World Cup uh, coverage that we've done, our first ever uh, coverage of this beautiful tournament that we know and love, is that one, it's a lot of work, but two, it's a lot of fun. And three, it's a great way to stay connected with the people uh, and, and catch the reactions of folks as the matches happen or just after the matches happen and to see how things, you know, how people feel about things and to get those reactions uh, in our comments from our many co-hosts and guests that contributed over the course of the month uh, and just from ourselves as well, our group chat. Um, it, it was an experience that, you know, you can't forget and you can't take for granted. So <laughs> you said it best. We're running that back next World Cup which will be next summer, the Women's World Cup. Woohoo! Albeit, however, a little bit early on the clock here in the East Coast, but we'll make do with what we have. Oh, that is the one thing I have to mentally get prepared for. Goodness gracious. What am I, Kobe Bryant waking up before everybody else? Three in the morning? We'll make it happen. Um, and of course, we can't uh, continue the pod without me mentioning our third co-host, the Spencyclopedia Britannica. Uh, Spencer oh, oh, Spencer, a.k.a. So you think Argentina is going to win the World Cup off of one friendly match you went to against the mighty Jamaica? That's Ooh, the very same. Spencer, a.k.a. Mbappe scores a brace in two minutes, and I'm on the train, Spence. The one, the only, Spence. Uh, obviously, he could not be here with us to, uh, to you know, regulate things from the data desk. Uh, so y'all know what that means, as always. False facts. Yeah, I think the data desk low-key lost its uh, fact-checking abilities. Mm, you're saying he's compromised. A little compromised. Mm. You pick Argentina, and like you mentioned, Mbappe scores a brace in a minute, and it's a complete 180. Oh, man. And nobody does it better, uh, as he will tell you, off the record, of course. Our legendary phony, if you will. Uh, <laughs> the, the best to ever do it in that fashion. But I think Spence, much like many other folks that weren't, uh, I guess, sitting on any fence, were just here for the entertainment. And boy, did he get exactly what he wanted <laughs> in that world. Oh, okay, and before you pull up to the pub, it's me and Spencer, just the two of us. He says there will be at least two penalties. There were at least two penalties. Oof. And then and some. Paul, I'm like, yes, so maybe the data isn't so compromised. Oh, the data is the data, man. That's why Fabrizio Romano be chasing him. He's been texting him over the course of the last month. Like, what's the sources? Is Nkuku going to Chelsea? Is Messi going to enter Miami? And I know Spencer was hitting him with the, bro, get out of my face. It's World Cup time. <laughs> Go get a job. <laughs> I gave a lot properly because I still have a bit of a call. But yes, hilarious. <laughs> yeah, so uh, big shout out to Spence, who, who isn't here to bring it back with us and bring back the football misfits in the football misfits fashion. But he's always there data desking in spirit. We shall see him soon, as we always do. That being said, with all the introductions out of the way, the elongated uh, introductions, the shout outs, the love, you know, football is footballing and it always will football. And that means we will be there to cover it all uh, as we are the football misfits, uh, Ronnie. So we're back and let's get to the shits. Where would you like to start? Boy, it feels good to ask you that question. I feel like we should continue with this World Cup final. Like, we're a week removed from it. A lot of our thoughts when we did our last live and direct was in the moment, albeit hours after the fact. But now we've had a week to digest. Just our thoughts on it a week later and our thoughts on the World Cup as a whole. Oh, man. Uh, so much to digest and so much to say. Luckily for us, we have a podcast in order to get those thoughts off. So <laughs> um, I'm going to start with building up to the World Cup final. And I, we've, had this, we've had this question uh, posed to, to us and we've asked it ourselves. We've asked you know, one another, we've asked Spencer, we've asked friends that we've talked to, we've asked the group chats, you know, we've asked our co-hosts. But you know, the, 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 the question of where does this World Cup rank amongst 
the best World Cups that we've ever seen in our lifetimes. And Ronnie and I are around the same age. So that will be about maybe five, if you're pushing it, six World Cups. And in those five World Cups, we've seen incredible drama. We've seen incredible uh, footballing, individual brilliance. We've seen, you know, unbelievable comebacks. We've seen incredible late goals and all of that stuff. Beautiful drama, hate, and love, and everything. And with all that being said, uh, for me, this World Cup 2022 in Qatar, which was marred from the beginning with, you know, uh, all of the human rights violations that Qatar was running, the shit show that they brought on, changing things at last minute, making this competition the hardest to ever be okay with, and really making you question yourself uh, as a football fan and watching this type of stuff. That being said, Man, oh man, I'm, I'm finding it hard to say that there's a better World Cup that I've seen in my lifetime than this one here from Japan coming out swinging and cooking Spain and cooking Germany and, you know, just just being a force, a team that will not die. South Korea doing more of the same on that final uh, group stage match day. Costa Rica getting their just due. Qatar shitting the bed. Canada shitting the bed, kind of, but not necessarily in that same fashion. The USA not having the worst tournament, something to be proud of, if you ask me. Um, Argentina shitting the bed early, much like Spain did in 2010, and then doing nothing of the sort for the rest of the tournament. Brazil putting on a show, the pigeon dance from Richarlison, you know, and having Ronaldo Fenomeno doing the same thing, and the coach of Brazil all as well. Um, the Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo drama, you know, the Kylian Mbappe saga, the Belgium, ooh, the third place Kings taking it to a new level. Just so many individual moments that I don't know if it was because we were covering this actively because we have a platform in which we it's almost our job to do so, or for the fact that this just was all happening and it was incredible. But Ronnie, I got to be honest, I really sat and thought about this for a while, and I've had many emotions in many a World Cup, but this one for me. Uh, I think it takes the cake, and that final being the cherry on top, which I'll get to after I hear how you feel about everything. You mentioned the final, 100%, hands down, unequivocally, the best World Cup final in the history of this competition, without question. I've had people tell me that the final was the best sporting event that they've ever seen. Agreed. I've, I've heard similar takes uh the greatest sporting event considering the what was on the line ever and if you even put it in that same category man you might not be lying you are able to put up quite the argument with what we saw in that final as arguably the greatest sporting event of all time i say that to say like the tournament itself and there are more goals scored in this tournament than in any other world cup past 172 Beating out the 171 scored by Brazil 2014 and France 98. You could have guaranteed that Brazil would have remained, Brazil and France would have remained um, the two highest scoring World Cups. Nobody was going to say that six goals would be scored in this World Cup. Nobody. And the way that that happened, Jesus. And like you said, so many moments happened in this World Cup. From the upsets, Morocco winning their group. They, let, they, they put folks on notice. We wasn't just in the AFCON having a blast defending well. They put folks on notice in this World Cup. They definitely did. And they are definitely the favorite to win the next AFCON. The wild day in Group E where Japan and Costa Rica were going to go through knocking out both Spain and Germany. Portugal-Ghana was another great game in this World Cup. I remember specifically in the group chat when we were having this conversation of how much we loved that game. And how much we believe that, wow, like this, this is the best game of the tournament thus far, one of the best games of the tournament thus far. And if you go back thinking about all the best matches in this tournament, that one might not even be top five, which is crazy to think about. That was an incredible moment, an incredible match. Which it was. And there were other matches that, like you said, surpassed that. Even within that one group, Portugal, on the losing end of a 2-1 result against South Korea. Argentina nearly fumbling the bag against Australia, the Netherlands, and again in the final. Uh, Morocco, their dream run. Uh, Brazil getting knocked out in penalties by Croatia. Switzerland and Serbia in that heated final group uh, G match on match day three. 
uh, with the five politics all over it, politics all over it, passion all over it, even as far as to say hate all over it for one another, and the, the match that that delivered, just just un, unbelievable stuff. It was just so much going on, and a lot of these matches that we're talking about are group stage matches, and, and man. So much pales in comparison, I think, to the things that that's that have happened in this World Cup. That it's just it's been it's been an impressive run um, from Enter Valencia. Third to, place match in this World Cup as well. Uh, Fubo Ferreira was like, "Oh, it's a game nobody wants to be in." Yeah, sure, but this didn't look like any other third place game. You could tell that the teams wanted it. Oh yeah, Belgium would have killed to be there. <laughs> I say, bruh. They 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 took third place kings to a whole new level. They stepped but, it up. <laughs> but I say all of this to say that 2010 was just the World Cup that I already liked the sport. It made me love it. And while yeah, when you look back at the World Cup now in 2010, and there might not be that many matches that jump out as the World Cup just ended did, there were some pretty good matches. In the World Cup again, even going from the opening match, Shabalala, Shabalala scoring for all of Africa, not just South Africa, and then Mexico equalizes right near the death. France had a surprisingly shitty tournament that year. We all remember the bus protests and Mexico beating France. Argentina and Nigeria was always going to be a bit of a international rivalry. England and USA playing in this World Cup too. Yeah, USA, England. Uh, Rob Green, the great, the greatest win since 1776. Um, obviously, um, and it was a draw. <laughs> there you go. In this one group, the final match day, USA Algeria, yep. Landon Donovan, that late game winner, like on the counter attack from Tim Howard, throwing the ball from his own goal, Landon Donovan scoring. Japan, they now we saw that what they could do, but. You would date back to 2010 to see how good that this team really could be. This is one thing I barely ever get credit for. I barely ever give myself credit for the things that I say here because I'm mostly wrong. Uh, see my Anthony Martial take. Um, but Japan doing well in this World Cup uh, was one that I felt I truly believed in. And they really showed up for me in, in, in a, such a beautiful way. It's what an organized team. What a dangerous team. What a team that is even better when they concede a goal than when they're level. Um, just everything from them. And you're absolutely right. They were, they've been building up to this for a hot minute. And some would argue that they lost their, you know, some of their great talent that was featured in 2010 and 2014. But with these young rising stars and, and the mix of age that they have, they were so disciplined and so incredible to watch um, in, this, in this tournament. And, and that just goes to speak to the individual brilliances and this in the storylines in this World Cup. Um, not to cut you off about your 2010 point, but they were good in 2010 as well. And Yasuhiro Endo, Kaisuke Honda. The GOAT, Kaisuke Honda. This was the first World Cup that we really saw that defending champion curse kick into effect with Italy just being underwhelming this World Cup and finishing bottom in a group that featured Paraguay winning it. Uh, Ronaldo's goal against North Korea. So acrobatic, it was phenomenal. Incredible memories in that tournament as well. So I definitely get where you're coming from. And not to mention, if we're going based on the ball itself, 2010 has 2022 beat by miles. <laughs> the Jabulani. It was controversial too at the time. One of the most beautiful World Cup balls I've ever seen in my life. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful ball. Shout out to the and Boogie we've not Boogie. even mentioned the champions that year. They lost the first match. Just like Argentina. Their next match, they beat the motherland. But in that same match against Honduras, David Villa put up a masterclass. Sure did. Scoring his brace against Honduras. The prime of Tiki Taka, if you will. If 08 was the birth, 10 was the prime, 12 was the twilight. Exactly. And then some of these knockout games were incredible as well. Argentina played Mexico in the round of 16, coming off of when they played in in 2006, that Maxi Rodriguez going 06. This game was pretty compelling as well. There was that controversy between Germany and England with the ball crosses the goal line, but the refs don't call it. 
either oh, yeah. way, England were still ass that game. But yeah, yeah. where was VAR? I'll never forget the Frank Lampard shot, and he they 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 deserved that going into halftime to make it two one, which would have changed the match, I think, for the English. But sure enough, Germany said, "Yeah, I." That and you mentioned all of this stuff without mentioning the standout man of this. Oh, tournament. we're gonna get to him because his one goal against Ghana in the quarterfinal was one of the best goals I've seen, only to be trumped by scoring another beauty in the third place game. Diego Forlan, by far the best player in our World Cup. The half volley king, the free kick king, the long range king, the headband. That third place game, Uruguay, Germany, it was a barn burner. It was one of the best third place games I've seen. All valid points. And with Ghana's uh, incredible run, putting Africa on their back, ending up in the quarterfinals, losing, as you mentioned, to Uruguay, and that Luis Suarez moment that birthed the villain, the villain arc that he would carry on. Um, you know, just it, all incredible moments there. And you, you, you know, you make a great argument for that tournament. So that's why I say 2010 better than 2022 in that there were a lot of similarities to that World Cup that I saw in this World Cup. Albeit, there weren't as many goals scored in this tournament as there were in Qatar 2022. This World Cup was still amazing. If it wasn't Diego Forlan who was the best player, David Villa was. And if it wasn't David Villa, you can go down to Miroslav Klose, uh, Thomas Muller, his coming out party. Iron Robin, 2010. Iron Robin. He was unbelievable. It's hard to not go up against 2022. It might be recency bias that I'm trying to avoid. I think it's hard, as you mentioned, when you when you have to stack up against a final that that was that with the story. Forget the match as it happened, but the storylines in the 2022 World Cup final alone were enough to put it up up there in terms of the greatest matches. And we've seen many a time where the storyline does not live up to the actual match or the match itself does not live up to the, the storyline. And this is one that exceeded that with France being breaking that World Cup curse that you mentioned that Italy brought up in 2010 um, and, and a, a team that's been gutted from injury um, and playing in the way that they played, the rise of a new young goat in Kylian Mbappe, uh, this team that does it all, the Olivier Giroud's of the world said no Benzema, no problem. Uh, were France going to be able to, to crown themselves back-to-back champions, much like Brazil did so long ago? And on the other side, the twilight of Lionel Messi's international career. Was this going to be the time that he got the job done? And not just finding himself there in the final, but really carrying Argentina to the final along with his teammates and putting in performance after performance that was unreal. See that match against Croatia in the semifinal. Um, and was he finally going to reach Diego Maradona status? Was he going to get that, that cup that's been, that he's been living in the shadows of for his entire career? Yeah, you did everything for Barcelona, but you can't do anything for Argentina. And after finally getting the Copa America, finally becoming that guy, putting a little sauce on his name, would he be able to attain the biggest trophy in sports? And, and you know, the stories were unbelievable. And then the match delivered on that um, in such a way that it it could have been it could have easily been a match that was dog shit with Argentina going up two 0 early in the first half. And France really not showing any teeth whatsoever. And it could have become something that, eh, the Bayern Munich PSG final in the Champions League, it could have been that very easily. Um, it could have been probably the most boring World Cup final that we've seen in, in recent memory. But it, it, it really decided to say, fuck all that. And this is all after the 80th minute. <laughs> so just so much that happened there and the storyline itself and the completing of a mission for one player, one goat, um, I think for me, puts that uh, as the greatest, the greatest World Cup that I've seen in, in my lifetime, and and that's no disrespect to everything else uh, that we've seen from this tournament uh, over the years, and for the tournament that you've mentioned yourself, which is one that really, um, you know, made me love the game even more in 2010. But what a World Cup, Ronnie! And you know, I'm just happy that we were able to witness it and cover it and deal with it. And um, and it, and it, above all else, enjoy it, you know? And that's what matters. The fact that it was an enjoyable World Cup. By the way, all of this is on the field. 
everything that happens off the field in this World Cup probably could take that best World Cup status and bring it down precipitously. If we're talking taking points from Gryffindor, like in Harry Potter, uh, all the off-pitch antics uh, would ruin this World Cup. And for a lot of folks, I'm sure that it has and already ruined the World Cups, and rightfully so. Uh, if you didn't tune into this World Cup for those reasons, you're absolutely justified. Uh, this was one that should, as we have all said, and I'm saying now, shouldn't have been where it was. And because of FIFA's bullshit acceptance of bribery and bullshit uh, greed uh, that you could see in documentaries like the FIFA Uncovered. Um, did you see it? Yes, I did, fam. Woo-hoo! Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We had to cut out some time to talk about it because Spencer and I were waiting for your ass to finish watching it. Yeah, we, FIFA and I watched it. Uh, Is it still on Netflix? Yeah, we we saw. We, uh, I'm not sure if it's still on Netflix. We saw we saw it Loki like about a month ago before the World Cup started, even. And man, oh man, the, the seeds of corruption have been planted long before uh, this bid was accepted uh, in 2010. Um, but that doesn't take away from the fact that your point stands, and I'm in agreement with you 100. percent All the stuff that happened off the pitch in this tournament leaves a stain on what we saw. And it's so unfortunate that this beautiful competition, this beautiful game that we love, was on the backs of something like this. It's something that shouldn't be ignored by any stretch of the means. And now that the circus is out of Qatar, one last one, what's going to happen to all the people that helped make this World Cup that none of us are giving the attention to? But on the field, I could see why this is the best World Cup ever. For me, it will always be a very close second to 2010. Even though the final was just impeccable. All everything that we've mentioned, and storylines galore and all that, 2010 to me just it's very special to me. Like it I, I can't go against 2010. I just can't. And for as good as this was, for as many goals as it was scored here, for as many yellow cards as there were in Netherlands, Argentina alone. 2010. I think uh, it is fair for us to give some shine to some of the rising stars or the folks that have made themselves a name or put themselves on the transfer market, if you will, um, in this tournament. And uh, we got to lead with with one that you brought up on previews, on the podcast itself, uh, a now World Cup champion who plays for Manchester City, which, man, depends how you feel about that. But I won't even say his name. I'll let you run run with that one. Julian Alvarez, I feel vindicated. Mm, isn't that a good feeling? I feel vindicated. If you remember the first half of the group previews, uh, when I said, and even on the day of the final, we're talking about it, it's still stirring up a bit of an internal controversy amongst the three of us. It sure did. It sure did because it, it, I, I think I was led to believe one thing, or I, I myself made, led myself to believe one thing. When in fact, it seemed as if both sides were kind of true here. I don't know. When I said that Julian Alvarez, not Julian Alvarez, by the way, Julian Alvarez. We're talking to you, uh, Fox World Cup crew. Get it together. Oh, they called him Julian Alvarez. Nah, I'm just assuming. <laughs> that, that would have been a fair assumption. <laughs> that would have been a fair assumption. Oh, we have to talk about Fox Sports too, but we'll get to that. Um, when I said he would have a James Rodriguez type effect in this World Cup, right? I spe- I specifically mentioned that the effect he would have. I never once said he would be Argentina's best player, like James was in that World Cup. I specifically meant the effect that he would have, especially since they were both 22 at the time of their World Cups. And we saw it. Yes, and, and that's those are all absolute valid points. I think um, we saw uh, Julian Alvarez become what many folks thought he could be uh, a lot sooner than maybe they thought he would be in this tournament, um, almost leading... Uh, the tournament in goals up there with some incredible names, scoring a brace, which is hard to do in a World Cup, having an incredible goal, which he did in the in the semifinal against an incredible defense uh, known as Croatia, 
Now, uh, for the listeners, obviously, this was a, a group chat argument between a debate, if you will, not an argument between Spencer and Ronnie on whether or not uh, Alvarez would have an Ahamez esque tournament. And that is where the gray area lies, um, because I think while I'm in agreement with you on all the things that Alvarez did and putting the world on notice, I think Spencer has some. I'm gonna I'm gonna give him I'm gonna shoot him some bills since he's definitely not here as well. That uh, when you put the name James Rodriguez on anything, you expect you expect an otherworldly performance. Um, and James esque died James, if you will. That's a fair thing to point out. But when I think of James Rodriguez and the World Cup, those two things together in the same sentence, I think of that volley uh, he scored. I think of you know him being by far the best player in this tournament of 32 nations. Um, and that's a hard feat to pull off. And Julian Alvarez, no slouch at all. He had himself an incredible tournament. Um, but not only, I think, did he not live up to the James Rodriguez standard, I don't think anyone did this tournament. You could argue Messi, but I think a lot of that is carried by his storyline. Uh, you know what? You could argue I wouldn't even put Messi in the same category as James for the fact that we were also talking about breakout players. Yes, and that's another thing that you're right. That's another thing that is combined with the James factor. And I think Alvarez achieved that first part of it, the breakout factor, bringing some shine. Um, but the thing and is, again, that was where I was going with it. Yeah, but then again, so did many other players. Not saying that you said many other players would or wouldn't. And shout to the man, Dem Antonis, who was on that same preview for that same group. He himself was like, "Yo, Ronnie, I know what you said." Yes. Ah. Uh, I gotta give you the credit. Salute. Spencer and is just a notorious hater. No, now we have to shoot Spencer some bail because he's also not you wrong. You can here. do that. And I got I know I have I have to moderate because he's certainly not wrong here because it, it, when you look at it, this was not Hamas Rodriguez. It was not. Well, I know what I said. Fair enough. <laughs> I know what I said. Fair and enough. I will yeah. die with what I said. And, and I know you will die with most takes, so I'm not gonna carry on pushing it as if it's my own because it's not. But let's get to talking about players who stood out this World Cup. Uh, there's this one player. We definitely fancied him in this World Cup. We put him in our best yeah. 11 as one of the best center backs in the World Cup. Albeit he got torched by Messi. And you were not letting this man live this down. Hey, listen, it wasn't me. It was Messi's fault. It was Messi's fault. This man had an incredible tournament. He was a showstopper, a center back extraordinaire. Reaction time on point, aggressivity on point, speed, uh, clearing, long passes from the back on point, uh, offside trap, everything with a Batman mask. Josko Gvardio, a 21-year-old player out of RB Leipzig. Um, he had the tournament of tournaments for a center back, put himself, he was already highly rated in this summer's transfer window. And he now is going to be even more highly rated um, outside of what Lionel Messi did to him. But, but unfortunately for him, there's not many folks on this planet uh, or ever in life who could have done him the way Messi did him. And it just so happens that he was on the receiving end of that ass whooping. And I'm sorry, Josco, you got cooked. And I, I agree, you know, Messi, he has a family. That wasn't cool. Like, you didn't have to do all that. <laughs> but, but, but it, but it, it was Messi. So, it was, it was you Messi being torched by Lionel Messi is not like you being torched by a Qatari. The fact that he's only 2021 20, is still mind-blowing to me. He has a good 15 years left. Yep. And then if we're going to continue talking about Croatia, uh, the man who's not, he was defending, Dominic Lovakovic, one of the best goalkeepers in this World Cup. I feel like Emi Martinez's performance in the final especially during the shootout and the save against Colomwani in the death of extra time would have taken like the limelight out of Dominic Lovakovic. But as a whole, this tournament, this man came up with critical saves. Croatia needed him the most and got him to as far as a third-place finish at the World Cup. Uh, Lovakovic yeah, then... The debate that we had internally was who was better between him and Yasin Bono? And 
Bono was out. I'm not taking nothing away from him. He was also one of the best goalkeepers. If you look back on our Instagrams, Lovakovic was first team. Bono was the second team. You had to give both of them their flowers. That's what we came up with, like, an NBA-style all-World Cup team. Bono, I think, had a better defensive line ahead of him, which helped save Morocco in a lot of their games, whereas Lovakovic was doing most of it on his own. Sure, we had a Guardiol, but, like, I feel like it was more on Lovakovic, whereas for Morocco, their defense was just stout. Saiz, especially in central defense. And it's so funny watching him, because at Wolves, he was nothing of the sort. <laughs> to Carlos Puyo. I couldn't believe it. Um, but yeah, I, I, won't, I won't argue either way. I, I definitely leaned more towards Yassin Bono because uh, he did give me a bit of Emmy Martinez effect in, in the penalty shootout against Spain, where he just gave some sauce and some confidence. And that's so crucial in a penalty shootout. But both of them had an incredible tournament. I do agree. I think Levakovic came up with bigger saves uh, in the field of play. But, you know, at the end of the day, based, you know, th what this segment is about um, works for both of these guys really putting themselves on the map. Because before this World Cup, I couldn't give a rat's ass by Yassin Bono out of Toronto, by the way. Um, or or, or uh, Levakovic. Um, but they showed that not only you know were they important in big moments, but that they were consistent throughout this tournament, which is hard to do. Um, and yeah, man, this is if there's a place to put yourself on the map, it's the World Cup, and they both did it in incredible fashion. It's not often that we see that two teams that just had absolute showstoppers and go for them. Um, and, and incredible tournament from from both of these folks, absolutely. Uh, just showing up up, up above you know, goalkeepers that we already know to be great and playing against incredible attacks, incredible talent. And it took Lovakovic against prime Lionel Messi. That was Barcelona Lionel Messi in 2010, 2011 Messi. Um, that had to stop him, you know, but outside of that, he wasn't, he wasn't going to be stopped for nothing. And the same with Yassin Bono. I mean, playing an incredible uh, tournament overall and getting ousted by a French team that was really looking to repeat and very well could have. So both of these guys were uh, undone by eventual fin finalists and two teams that absolutely should have, could have both lifted that trophy at the end of the tournament. Absolutely. Uh, one more Moroccan shout. Uh, Sofian Amrabat at Fiorentina right now. I feel like his transfer stock is going to go up as well. Sure enough. And I want to make this about myself for a hot second because uh, we've already mentioned not one, but two players uh, that Spurs were in for allegedly during the summer transfer window. Um, Fabio Paratici, uh, maybe it might have that eye because Jesco Guardio was one of them, uh, as he was quoted from RB Leipzig to be worth 90 plus million, in which Spurs said, Yeah, I, no thanks. And uh, Sofia Namrabat at Fiorentina, and Spurs couldn't get the job, job done in, uh, in January. Both of those fellows, incredible tournament. And Amrabat was a leading factor in why. Morocco didn't concede a single goal from open play until their semifinal matchup against France. Um, just everywhere in this tournament, we gave him, you know, we gave a lot of credits to uh, Tyler Adams of the USA, or I did at least, for his work in that midfield. Another good tournament he had. Probably yeah. one of the best players in Team USA. Absolutely. He was everywhere. He was doing the work that was asked of him in, in whichever formation that was lined up from Burhalter. And when they were in that 4-3-3, he was required based on the way they would attack, to really run around and do a lot of cleanup. And we saw him do exactly that against England. We saw him do that against Wales. Um, he just played incredibly. And Sofia Nabarbat kind of did that uh, to the T as well for Morocco. And they were just a bit more cohesive in defense um, for them to be able to play much better. Um, but Nabarbat, absolutely kudos to him. He was always uh, on time uh, in defense, made the right tackle, always had the right pass in mind, and was good on the outlet. So just top, top shouts out to him. He's at Fiorentina, which is a notable club, but you can imagine now that he'll be sought. And I think we've already seen rumors of Spurs back in for him. Should have got him in January. And Liverpool. Liverpool doing some inquiring. Rumors, all rumors. Nothing, uh, nothing made fact yet by the data desk or Fabrizio Romano. But They're also inquiring about Enzo Fernandez, best young player of the World Cup. 
one of my favorites this World Cup, by far. Absolutely, and I feel like he definitely stood out. Like, especially when he came on, he changed the game against Mexico. His goal was phenomenal. Fernandez was definitely one of the best players in this World Cup. Um, You had quite a good amount of love for Aziz Bejic for Australia. I want to give Australia a big shout-out. They had an incredible tournament, and they should hold their heads up high. They lost, the, they lost the eventual finalists, and they played incredible in that match. They played incredible in the group stage. And Besh, Besh I think, was a huge part um, of them playing so well, covering that left-hand side so well, and not afraid to get in on the attack as well. That's what you want from a fullback, one that's not scared to get forward, and that's a, that backs himself to be able to track back as well. Big up to him. I, I did make a shot for him to make the second team. Being that he didn't make it, it's okay because there were so many folks that were great. Um, if we big didn't tell you, he'd be on there. Yeah, absolutely, exactly. So absolutely big, big, big ups to him. Um, but you mentioned Spurs, and I mean, we haven't mentioned him much because he's already kind of on the map. He already is that guy. I want to give some love to Richarlison, man. Really took that starting forward spot on Brazil and ran with it. Um, and with the Brazil team whose attack is unquestionably one of the best on this planet. Um, with Vinny Jr., with Gabriel Jesus, who did get injured, unfortunately for him. Um, with, you know, <laughs> Neymar, who, you know, I don't even have to mention to you because you understand. Uh, <laughs> never mind. Um, but just so much, so much there. Rafinha, who I think could have done better in this World Cup. Um, uh, you know, Rodrigo, just so much in their attack. And Richarlison really being able to pick up that starting nine spot and put it on his shoulders and deliver with his performances and the goals he scored. I think he has the best goal of the tournament. I think it was just an, a moment of magic, absolute magic. And that's the kind of player that can deliver on that kind of stage. And he just deserves the credit, in my opinion. Uh, a player who wears his heart on his sleeve and uh, a great tournament for him. He's already, as I said, kind of on the map already. But, and this is no bias because he plays for Spurs, but uh, unbelievable tournament for him. Big kudos to Richarlison. He deserved it. And speaking of kudos. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like another another player that had an incredible tournament. Spencer, I wish you were here to give him some credit. Muhammad Kudos of Ghana. Man, big yourself up, young man. 22 years of age. The Ajax uh, midfielder. Top-notch performances in the group stage. Unfortunately for Ghana, they wouldn't be able to make it out past that. But you've already mentioned that match against Portugal was probably one of the best of the tournament. And at the center of all of that was one. Mohamed Kudos. Big up to him. Kudos had a brace against South Korea. Boom! Look at that. Scored all them goals. When we dropped our uh, best 11s, one name that was being mentioned a lot that we kind of people said we left out. Burn French. I'm not mad at that. That's a good shout. He really did have a decent World Cup. He was very integral in Portugal's um, a bit of success that they had, uh, making it out to the uh, quarterfinals, smoking Switzerland's boots. Unfair the way they did them um, with Gonzalo Ramos. But yeah, big up, big up to Bruno Fernandez and. I mean, I'm not, I mean, I don't know. He's already kind of the man. And if I go by the same principle that I had with Lautaro, it's not like you're opening up the door for yourself. You, the door is already open. We know how established you are. And so I think the expectations are a bit higher for him. But he had a good World Cup. And on I still team, feel like if I had to choose between him and Marcelo Brozovic, I think Brozovic had the better World Cup of the two. Because I feel like Brozovic was a lot more involved than Bruno was. And I'm not taking anything away from Bruno and how good of a tournament he had. Brozovic caught my attention a lot more. And, I mean, him being Mr. Bitchenwine does take away from him being a good player. Yeah, yeah. Neither here nor there. But if we are sticking with Portugal. Okay. He is a known name, but for some people, he might have, you know, been, oh, this, this is a pretty good talent, Rafael Leao. The fact that he kept on coming from the bench, like, why do you not start this kid? Yeah, I think if you watch football casually even, or club football pretty casually, there's no way in this 2022, our 2022 of this life, that Rafael Leal should not be somebody on your 
radar because it, I think I, we said this multiple times on Portugal. I think he was and is their best player on form from this year alone. Um, just top-notch talent, a finisher, devastating, and he was coming off the bench. Unbelievable for me. Unbelievable. And always does it while smiling, too. The guy's never not smiling. He's crazy. Hey, man. Can't be mad at that. But he, I can't be mad at his lack of starting time. Now, Portugal did get rid of Fernando Santos lately. Within the past couple of days. Because, like, how do you not see Leal is worth starting? Like, Yeah, I tweaked. He's probably yeah, the best player in City out right now, if not one of. Yeah, a big, a big tweak, in my opinion. That was a problem. He should have been starting from the jump, and he, he produced well whenever he did feature um, off of the bench. Um, if And I feel like we're staying mostly away from England and players that uh, deserve some shine or did kind of further prove themselves. This is another one. Uh, and because he's so young, he already is kind of a star. He plays for the team that I hate with all my heart. But uh, I gotta, I do have to give a big credit to Bakayo Saka. Um, top, 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 top-notch tournament from him. Um, a standout player and probably England's best player against France um, in that match in the uh, quarterfinal. Just, and he's so young at that. He's fearless, and he really gave France, France's defense, a run for their money. Uh, so big ups to Bakayo Saka on the national team. I love watching him play. I love supporting him. I love his link up with Harry Kane. They seem to understand each other on a different level. On a club level, not so much. Neither here nor there. But Bakayo Saka is another player that I'd like to put into this conversation uh, of players that did put themselves on notice, or if they've already been on notice, a little bit of more extra sauce on their transfer fee, if you know what I mean. Saka was one of the two uh, England players on our second team. Yeah, and the other one, obviously, another one so young and already on notice, but did add a little extra oomph to his transfer package in Jude Bellingham, another beast in the midfield. Just a, such a such a talent uh, on that uh, on that player there. Just does everything from defend to make beautiful runs. Great vision on him, and just a collectively great individual talent on any side. Um, and he happens to be English, so big ups to those two young English gentlemen. And for what it's worth, I mean, uh, he didn't put himself on notice, but I think Harry Maguire didn't have such a bad tournament after all. <laughs> that game against the U.S. where he took a header, like, it was so audible. <laughs> and we know why, Ronnie. <laughs> exactly. I know we do. Like, of it's course, like, when you hit the ball to a fridge, it's going to make a noise. Yeah, it's like when you slam the fridge extra hard when there's no good food in there. It's like that. But nah, all these players definitely have themselves great World Cups. And a lot of them we're going to see in a couple of weeks as club football makes its return. England, it returns tomorrow. Tomorrow. Um, Back, baby. Club football. But the this is the beauty of the World Cup in that. All right, now we know some of these players. Let's actually watch what they do on a club level. Guardiola is someone who I'm going to be paying attention to now at RB Leipzig. Kudos is someone I'm going to be focused on when I'm watching Ajax play. Hritsu Duan, he's at Freiburg. You know how much love we have for the team. Yep. We now have players to root for on Freiburg, and so on and so forth. Now, Lionel Messi, champion of the World Cup, he said it was his last World Cup, but he still wants to play a little bit longer. If this truly was his last World Cup, what a World Cup it was. Congrats on getting it done. The GOAT, GOAT, for sure. Like, undisputed. Uh, He definitely locked, locked it up, locked a lot up. At, at the very least, the conversation with Cristiano Ronaldo is up out of here. Locked it up. So um, how he fares amongst the greatest of all time, the real greatest of all time. We were just waiting for one guy to surpass the other in this generation, if you will. But um, now he's he sits amongst the table of the the goats. Ronaldo, great job. You had a great career. Second place. Hold that. <laughs> uh, two more questions. One, eighth Ballon d'Or incoming? There's no way it doesn't happen now at this point. He could have the worst rest of the season ever. So we already said that the uh, Messi-Ronaldo debate is settled. Done. 
by proxy is the Mbappe Holland debate over? No, not quite. One 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 rule is a particular domain at the moment, and the other one needs to kind of step it up. They both need a Champions League. One already obviously has a World Cup. Kylian Mbappe has a leg up on the on the international side, and he probably always will. But that one is a one that I'm refusing to allow to die because it is only beginning, and they're only continuing to excite us more. Let's not forget this guy Holland was scoring hat tricks consecutively for months at the beginning of the season. So a lot left to be seen between that fight and I long may it continue. I'm not ready to settle that one yet. Part of the reason why I ask is maybe because you're inebriated, but you seem like you have settled that one on the day of the final. That's why now we're doing this episode so we can, you know, walk back some of the things we said while we were drunk, take a breather and just, you know, be rational about things. Yeah, I'm, I definitely don't remember what I may have said. I definitely remember you saying, who even is that? Who? Who's that city? You and Spencer like, Oh, me. yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, let's let us let us have some fun with it. Miss, come on, man. Now, what, are you, what are we doing here? This is, the, this is the court of law. What are we doing? You got to have fun in the moment here. I know you were the only guy sitting there stressed out because of the 2-2. I get it. We we're having fun. Come on. But this, uh, in all seriousness, uh, yeah, they're, they're too young and they both got a great, they both put up a lot and they've got a lot to go and I'm excited for both of them. But is it fair to say that Mbappe is out of Holland at this moment? Uh, I had trick in the final, Jesus. Oh my God. <laughs> now, now what it is, is it, the ball is in your court, Erling Holland. That's what it is. And, and this is why we love this sport. This is why we love two great uh, players in one generation. Uh, it's tit for tat, and Holland uh, gave us a run for our money at the beginning of the season. Mbappe is, uh, you know, he gave us a run for our money in the World Cup, and now the ball is back in Erling Holland's court. Yeah, uh, Hatrick in the World Cup final against Argentina doesn't hit the same as a Hatrick against Burnmouth in Week 14 of the Premier League. Nah, it never will. But you know, consecutive hat tricks in the Premier League—it's a beautiful thing to see. Yes, uh, Bournemouth and Everton, yeah. Being on pace to come on. All right, now hold on, Lavar, Mister Lavar Ball. <laughs> somebody is bring, being a hater, if you will. Where do you stand on that? At the, if uh, if uh, you don't mind me asking, I'm just provoking. No. Uh, Holland, um, like you said, he has work to do. So Mbappe, a hat trick in the final. I think you're ahead of that guy right now where we stand. So we're leaning Mbappe. At this moment in time, yes. And this, but, has, nothing, this has nothing to do with uh, Holland playing for Man City. A little bit of it. Fair, 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 fair. No, but uh, <laughs> it has to do with uh, Holland putting up like 12 goals against Honduras in the U20 World Cup. Oh, shit. Even more important. <laughs> no, but um, in all seriousness, though, he he scores hat tricks for fun. It's a hat trick in the final, though, so you got to put one over the other for now. There's only one, only only one other player, and he was playing in black and white. So that's a that's quite the feat, if you will. Uh, who shout out to Carly Lloyd who did that in 2015? Yeah, <laughs> she was doing that for fun. Speaking of for fun, <laughs> but um, I think I'm slowly getting ready for the return of club footy. Galatasaray versus. Istanbul Spore was on TV today. Plus the uh, Man City-Liverpool game in the midweek in the Carabao Cup. Getting me ready for the return of club footy. I think uh, seeing Jurgen Klopp's face, seeing him complain again, made me uh, I'm in the same boat with you, Ronnie. I'm definitely ready to see this again, see the return of club football, and just how petty it can be. An overall great, petty game the club game is. And uh, I certainly am excited for it. The Premier League, as you said, returns tomorrow, Monday, the 26th, the Boxing Day, as they call it, um, with La Liga and Serie A, I believe, returning the following week or the week after the next. The Bundesliga ain't coming back till like, the end of January. Uh, uh, one final order of business, I believe... It may be that time. Oh, it's been a minute since uh, it was that time, at least on a week's level. We did have some day-to-days. 
uh, we did, you know, it, it lives amongst us and within us, no matter what. But I believe from looking at uh, my watch here, it sounds like you're talking about BS of the Week. I indeed am talking about BS of the Week. Woo! Now, we have to go back to the World Cup final because. Let's be honest, this World Cup as a whole was chaotic. From uh, Gianni Infantino talking about, today I feel like a migrant worker, to Fox Sports just shitting the bed this World Cup. Uh, first things first, before I even get to my final BS, RIP Grant Wall. Good shot, Ronnie. Very important. Very important to mention. Uh, we mentioned this on the live with Sebastian. On the, the life before the final, their coverage of his passing was limited to a minute on their pregame. And no other mention of it in the studio shows. The commentators did have some things to say, but in the studio show, not a peep. And that, uh, that minute that they gave uh, for him probably surpasses any mention of anything going on in Qatar, uh, politically, um, pre-World Cup, and during the World Cup at all. They didn't mention anything. What uh, Grant Wall was outspoken about. He was the complete opposite of the Fox Sports coverage. Complete opposite. And I get why Fox might have decided to, you know, pump the brakes on giving a tribute to Grant Wall because he was doing a lot of the anti-Qatar government pieces while Fox Sports was in bed with those same people. And even when uh, they read out the U.S. soccer statement, they left off the part about all the stuff Grant Wall did for like human rights and stuff like that, like fair play and stuff like that. And I'm not putting it on the presenter. I'm putting it on the Fox Sports brand. Contrast that to Telemundo. They dedicated a few blocks of their coverage to talking about Grant Wall for about a good five minutes and then at the very end of their world cup coverage like every broadcaster does they have like a closing montage towards the very end there's an r.i.p grant wall message telemundo class act fox sports rubbish god i need the rights to fox sports gone so now onto the bs retroactively from the final nuzret gotche gets bs of the week who? Y'all might know that man as Salt Bay. Boy, this man was annoying at the final. I know you wanted to go in on this too, OB. Let's let's tag team on this. Salt Bay, more like Salt Goof. What are you doing, bro? Nobody, what are you doing? Just nobody cares, I think, in my opinion. Or at least I don't. And I'm sure, Ronnie, you agree. About the salt uh, thing, why are you putting salt on the World Cup trophy? You're trying to yank it from players. Who are you, fam? How did you get on the pitch? The salt bit was cool when it came out. Like, ah, oh, it's funny how he's putting salt on stuff. That's like four years played out. You're like a one-hit wonder. So 2017, bro. That's what I'm saying. Like, it was, it was funny. It was cute. Ha, ha, ha. We had our laughs. You had people come to your steak spot. Now it's just, you're, you're doing too much. Like, the fact that you were just so desperate, so thirsty to get a photo with Messi. And Messi's just like, all right, let's take a quick picture. Yay, cheese. All right, now let me go. Who are you? Like, who, who even is this guy? Que miras, bobo. Anda pa' ya, bobo. And then... <laughs> Yeah, where was the security at? I would have put him in a headlock real quick. Real quick. But, and if we're going to go there, Rodrigo DePaul, why did you let your man down? Oh, God. Like, you're supposed to be on site, and you weren't. Yep, drop kicked him. Come on now. Where's, where was Emmy Martinez? You know, Emmy Martinez would have not been going for none of that. None. None of that shit. Yeah. Uh, trying to take the trophy away from the hands of Angel Di Maria. From Lisandro Martinez as well. Literally pulling it out of their hands. Literally. I, was it Christian Romero who has a kid who was like, yeah. he was like, no, 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 no. I touched his trophy. Like, yeah, you, you cook steak. And I, it, heard it, and I heard it's not that good. Now that you're not there. 
Can't confirm nor deny, but maybe I can. <laughs> the fu- he managed to hold the trophy and kiss it. Unreal. I get family members of the players doing that. Him? Also, like, if I was security, I would have been on his cameraman too. Like, bro, get up out of here, man. Go ahead, move around. The fact that all of this was just allowed to pass BS of the week. And big BS. And might be a contender for BS of the year. Absolutely put himself in hot contention. Uh, for the coveted spot, or least coveted spot, if you will, of BS of the year. Get it together, Salt Bay. Don't you got work to do? You got a couple restaurants. Come on up. But I got shuttered by the health department. Mm. Take care of your kids, man. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, do you have any BS to call? Ooh, I sure do, Ronnie. Uh, outside of a couple that I can think of, I'm going to stick with one and just one only. As we mentioned, Argentina they were celebrating the World Cup victory. They did it on pitch where Salt Bay was ruining the party there. They went back to Argentina, Buenos Aires, if you've seen footage, during the World Cup final, after the World Cup final. And in the days since, it's been a party. Oh, man. People all over the capital to the point where you're not driving anything, be it a bike, skateboard, or a car, uh, through them streets. Because the people have uh, flocked and... We've seen photos of Maradona. We've seen photos of Messi. We've seen everything. Uh, and when the boys in uh, white and blue came back home, uh, obviously it's customary to do a little World Cup uh, tour bus, championship bus ride through the city and touch hands of the people and show them the coveted trophy that you worked so hard to bring home to your nation. Uh, the Argentines did just that. The first 11 and the team were on the bus showing some love drinking some champagne or beer or whatever it might be. And uh, some of the fans got a little too excited, if you will, uh, as the bus passed just under a bridge. (laughs) Two, in particular, Argentina fans, or just fans of the team and the nation and the boys, them and everything, uh, (laughs) decided to take matters into their own hands and really get face-to-face with the champions and and the trophy. At least one of them. Oh, one of them actually did it. The other one, he might have went somewhere else. That's uh, <laughs> not there nor there. They pulled a salt bay, if you will. They wanted to get up close and personal. The the two guys, one of which initially jumped off the bridge, lands on the tour bus, gets on the bus, and he's there now. He's part of the squad. What are you going to do? Are you going to throw him back off? I don't know. Now, the BS for me really comes for the second guy, and I hope he's doing well because you're about to get some jokes. Uh <laughs> The second, the second man, clearly following the lead of the first guy who had this idea, uh, jumps off a couple seconds later. And unfortunately, it was a couple seconds too late as the tour bus had already cleared the bridge at this point, And he went flinging off the back of the bus deep down into the streets. I don't know if he landed on some people and did some crowd surfing or if he landed down with Diego Maradona. And you, y'all know where he is, unfortunately. Now they're no there. Ronnie sent me a meme, uh, and sorry to put you on on this, but uh, that said, uh, <laughs> one man met Messi, the other man met Diego Maradona. <laughs> Goodness gracious, man! If you're gonna jump off the bridge, plan it a little bit better. Follow your man's lead a little bit sooner, or just do it yourself. Jump at the same time. BS of the week uh, to late thinking, poor decision making, and uh, long falls. And that's where I stand, Ronnie. Celebrate, but not too hard. Come on, guys. Responsibly. That was part of the reason why some of the victory celebrations had to be removed from the streets to being helicoptered around Buenos Aires. Because these guys were wild. Safe to say we will never see that if the USA men win the World Cup. I don't know, man. If I'm around, I might jump off a little bridge. No, I'm... I'm going to, you know, talk some sense into your dumbass. There you go. And I might, being a dumbass, might ignore the sense. That's not <laughs> there. During the you... live broadcast, <laughs> for the sporting news, this is five days ago. I don't know what this means. During their live broadcast coverage of the parade, TYC Sports of Argentina reported that the individual who fell onto the pavement was a 24-year-old and was in critical condition. No further updates has been provided since. 
Although fellow broadcaster Todo Noticias reported that the individual could not yet be located in any Buenos Aires hospital. If you did die, um, I hate that your death was recorded on video and it was true, it was viral all over the world, fam. In the same breath, you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. The stupidest, if you will. I hope at the le- very least, you have like leg injury. You're probably gonna need that shit amputated because it went into like five different directions that it wasn't supposed to. But if you did die, at sorry. least you saw Argentina win the World Cup. You did, you did. So I guess you could die happily. And before this gets any darker, because there are more jokes to fly, Ronnie, you want to go ahead and sign the boys up for our first episode back post World Cup 2022. If you do, if you do meet Diego Maradona. Tell them that we miss him. Tell them we miss him, man. Tell them stay off. The- Never mind. Right, sign us off. It's getting dark. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> like I mentioned, BS of the year will be the next episode that drops of the Football Misfits. So That is a fact. Get your BSs ready. I know y'all got some. Y'all definitely got some. It's been a long year of bullshit. And we have to call it out. So get at us. At Footy Misfits, drop us your BS of the year. Every single response that we get will be shared. So, Guaranteed. get through it, my people. And for the good brother LV, I go by the name of Ronnie. Stay strong, be brave, enjoy the return of club football. I know you will, LV. Yes, I will, Ronnie. Up bright and early tomorrow morning, neither here nor there. Woo! We back. Happy New Year, everybody. Adios, mi gente. Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo.